has been laying on my heart that this month we're going to start talking about the Trinity, or one part of the Trinity, because the Godhead that we serve, the God that we serve, has shown himself to us and through the, his word and everything else that he is a triune God. Even though he is one God, he is three parts. And honestly, that messes a lot of people up when they get into the, to the doctrine, theological aspects of it. Because we're like, okay, well, if he's one God, how does he three parts? Well, the Bible tells us that he's God the Father, the creator. And he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's always there and he will always be. He's the beginning and the end. But if he's God the Father, how does he show himself in the world? And then if you open up your book of, uh, Bible up to the book of Matthew, you'll find that God had a plan to show himself to humanity. Because as John says in the word became flesh, you see God is a God that speaks and when he speaks, his words have an impact. And that impact was able to become flesh and it showed him as God the Son. But there was also something else that was labeled within the scripture, and that is God's spirit. And it's something that we often overlook. So my plan, the rest of this month, minus next week, because let me tell you, we got some powerhouse preachers coming up here next week for Mother's Day that I promise you, you do not want to miss, because these two ladies, I've got a message that's going to be phenomenal. They're going to preach this house down because of what God has given them in their spirits. So that being said, here's my highlight. If you're a mother, if you are a daughter, if you have a mother that's not tied with this church, if you have a mother that you know that needs to get to church, invite them next week for Mother's Day. Because we want to honor our mothers. We want to honor them and give them something in there to inspire them that as they keep going through this journey of their life that they will realize that God is with them. So mark your calendar. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Nothing else, Sister Phyllis. <laughs> but that being said, I got to get back on track because I had to do that little snippet, little announcement in there. But I want to kind of reiterate here. We believe that God is God the Father, the Creator, and the Holy God whom we serve. But because of, this, because of his complexity, he reveals himself through his trinity, and it doesn't make sense. And we will always struggle to understand it because God's ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are greater than ours. So that, that we see God in this triune nature, it's just showing different aspects of this one true God that we worship every single day. But in that, we struggle to understand this one part of who God is. And that is God's Spirit, otherwise known as the Holy Spirit, otherwise known as the Holy Ghost. And my goal is that we look at him throughout the whole entire word. Because as Pentecostals, we like to jump to Acts chapter 2. If you don't know, we're Pentecostal. That means we believe in the working of the Holy Spirit. That, that we, get our, we are given tongues that give us different utterances of the angels. And, and, and that he gives us supernatural powers in that. And that is a phenomenal thing. But too often, we get ahead of ourselves because we think that Acts chapter 2 is the definitive moment that we should hold on to. 
But God has been stirring something in my heart that he says that if we want to know who the Spirit is, that we want that's going to dwell within us, we got to know who he truly is. We have to understand how God is using this aspect of who he is to proclaim his truths. And that's been a struggle for so many. And I'll be honest, this week has been one of those weeks that I've been like, I haven't felt good and I've been studying on it and I've been praying on it and I've been going through it and I couldn't get the message ironed out until really last night. But that's how God works. Sometimes he lets us stew on his material until he gets it to where we need it to be to be what we need to hand out to others. So that being said, are you ready to figure out who the Holy Spirit is in the Bible? You ready to know where you first find the Holy Spirit at in the Bible? Can you guys guess where that would be at? Genesis. Ready? What part of Genesis? Let me tell you, it's Genesis chapter 1. And in it, where we're going to look at is we're going to see where God is going within it. Because if you'll turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, open it up to the very first verse. And if you want the cheat sheet, it's in your bulletin. And if that's not enough for you, it's on the screens. Because we're extra. But it's because it's an important thing that you read this text with us as we get into it. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, we find it says, in the beginning. That means in the alpha moment where God was working on this thing called creation. He was trying to show us something. And he says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means the entire universe, every single star, every single exoplanet, every single moon, every single asteroid, comet, whatever. God was creating that in that moment. But it was in those moments that God looked down at the earth when it says the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. Please tell me I typed that right. Yes. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Father God, I need you right now. Keep messing my mind up, Holy Spirit, as I give this word to expose who you are to this group of people. Those that are hearing this message, Lord, in person, those that are watching it later, those that are watching it through the live stream, whatever avenue, God. Lord, I ask that you let it be spoken, Lord, that they would understand a little deeper of where we can find you first and understand your nature of the triune Godhead that we serve. God, touch us, Lord, in this moment, in this day, Lord, and in this this little bit of time we have, Lord, as we study your word. And let it be edified into the itching ears that are hearing it, Lord, and the open hearts to receive it. God, touch us all in Jesus' name. And everybody said... You see, a lot of the times when we read that section of Scripture, we focus on the very beginning. In the beginning, God created it all. And then the earth was without form. And then we always face over the fact that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, over the void, formless earth. But it's something in there that, that, that had caught my interest this week. It's something in there that I've been stewing over as I've been really studying for 
weeks to get this series kind of outlined and ready to go. Because I, being a Christian for how long, had always just looked at it and said, well, okay, the Holy Spirit was there, but I never asked the questions that were deep enough to understand why he was there. What was God doing in those moments, allowing his spirit to hover over a void, formless earth? And then I just was thinking about it, and I started going through this thing called a Strong's Concordance. If you've not been in church, and that sounds like a strange thing, let me tell you what a Strong's Concordance is. I'm going to give you a little bit of a discipleship moment right here. A Strong's Concordance is this old-fashioned book or material where it looks at every single word that's in the Bible, whether it's Greek, whether it's Hebrew, whether it's Aramaic, and it looks and researches the exact definition for every single time that word is mentioned and what it's supposed to imply. Because let me tell you, what we read on here is not the Bible's truest form because the Bible was never written in clear English. The Bible was never written in English. It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And if it was written in those three, we have to understand that what we're getting is a translated version. That's why you have all the different translations all throughout the facet. If I open up my version app, I have over a thousand different translations of the Bible. That being said, when we do our research and our diligence, we have to go to the original source. And sometimes what the, what the translation says is not fully what it's trying to do and unlock because so much of the other uh, the languages that it's really written in have so much more depth, so much more power, and so much more highlighting ability that we need to hold on to. So that's what I went into, my Strong's Concordance. And I was asking God, God, what does hover mean? Why would the Holy Spirit just be hovering, just floating, just, just over everything? And then I got into the Strong's Concordance. And the thing that I found was the word for Holy Spirit, if you'll throw that next slide up there, Yetta, it's ruach. It means wind or breath. Another version of the translation means moving. Something that's actively possessing and and having a force that allows it to transform something. You don't get it. Let me tell you what happened in my life in 2008. One, I became a father. I had my first little precious Lydia, who's the loudest in my house and the oldest, and drives me completely bonkers, and the reason I have no hair. I love her to pieces. But in 2008, as me and Melissa were anticipating her revival, or her arrival, I wish it was a revival sometimes, something unexpected happened. About a month before she was born, We were watching the news about this hurricane, Hurricane Ike. It was hitting Galveston, Texas. It was destroying all of the island that it is on. It was causing such great destruction. This is all because, like, we just had Hurricane Katrina, and we were watching it, and we're fascinated by weather, but we're watching it. And then all of a sudden, we get this news alert. Heads up! Hurricane Ike is going to hit Ohio in 12 hours. And I'm like, this is a joke. A hurricane can't get to Ohio, let alone a hurricane, when it hits usually Ohio, it usually is just a little bit of wind and a lot of rain. 
And I looked at Melissa, I said, honey, I don't know what this is, what they're actually thinking that's going to happen. This has got to be some kind of weird, cruel joke. Why are they announcing it? But then 12 hours happened. Me and Melissa are in the house, and next thing you know, we're laying in the bed trying to get up, and the next morning, I'm waiting for these stupid, I call them demons with wings, they're Canadian geese because they squawk like crazy in the apartment we lived in, let alone they'd attack you, at least Brother Chip gets that joke. But we're waiting for them to start squawking, but next thing I know is I start hearing, thum, thum, and I'm like, what is that, honey? And she says, I don't know. And the next thing I know is I see this big giant piece of plastic come up right next to my window and smack the side of the building. And I looked at her and said, what is this? She says, I don't know. So I went outside to do what every husband and man should do. Go out and look, right? I'm over there. Next thing I know, I'm walking out in this 65-mile-an-hour gust blowing me all over the place. I'm watching this piece of siding just whack right next to my, my building, right next to my bedroom window. And I'm looking at her going, honey, I don't know what this is, but i got to yank this thing off. So I yanked it off, and, I, and I'm like, what is this weather that's coming in? And then I realized Hurricane Ike was there. You see, Hurricane Ike did a whole bunch of destruction because we lived in Dayton, Ohio at the time. And what it happened was this windstorm from Hurricane Ike hit. We had a little bit of rain, but a whole lot of wind. And it transformed the area to be without power in many places for up to four weeks. Praise God, our power came on two days later, and we were able to find a Taco Bell that still had a generator, and we could eat that. Oh. Let alone we couldn't get money out of the ATM because there was no power in the ATM. But our lives were transformed. But I tell you that story because it has an impact with what God is trying to tell you. You see, Hurricane Ike should have never hit Ohio in the time frame it had. But the news report said the Gulf Stream was in the right exact place, that it was able to grab that, that storm's like, center and floor it all the way up and like yeet it completely across the whole entire United States to hit us in a time frame that was like so, super, or so supremely quick, we didn't know what to do. We had no time for preparation. Nothing. But I say this because sometimes things happen without a reason. Or a reason that we understand. That's where I get back into the scripture. Because it says that the Holy Spirit... The Godhead that was actually hovering over the face, the wind, the breath, whatever God is trying to do was over the face of the earth. But what was he doing? You see, the Gulf Stream is a super fast wind that goes in the upper atmosphere and, and causes our weather patterns to change. And sometimes that wind, which we do not see or understand, causes something to change. Let me tell you, if God is saying my spirit is wind... And it's dwelling among this face of this world. What is he doing? He's transforming it. He's the one that's perpetuating the cycle to prepare this planet to be able to sustain the life that God is going to eventually speak on it. Can I say that again? I don't think everybody got that idea. The Holy Spirit was hovering. Another word was he was moving over the earth. He was doing something phenomenal upon this earth. He was setting it up because God's word is great and mighty and powerful. But sometimes God still has to move upon that word. 
And that's what his spirit does as he moves upon the things that God speaks. I don't think everybody's getting excited like I get excited sometimes. You see, sometimes we keep praying, God, we need you to move. And sometimes we get a word from God that said he's going to move, but it's not going to happen until he sends his spirit. Sometimes we have to really understand this first point, that the Holy Spirit is the true vehicle of the motion over creation. He is the vessel of the Godhead who is working to cause the motion that starts everything. Every time I get into the the, the word, I keep looking. I'm like, God, what are you doing through your spirit? He says, I'm moving things. I'm changing things. I'm transforming things. I'm in motion of doing some mighty works in this world and in this body of believers. You don't believe me? In Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, it says the earth was formed or without form and without void. And when the darkness was over the face of the world, the spirit moved over the face of the waters. And that moving is the word that talks about the implication and the fluttering and the shaking that allowed the life on this planet to start. That's how good our God is. I don't think you guys get it. I don't think you get it. Sometimes I can say, honey, I promise. But if I don't move on it, it never happens. Honey, yes, I promise I'll fix the sink. But if I don't get under that sink and start causing some motion and some shaking, that thing's not going to work right. If I tell my wife, honey, I'll mow the grass, but if I don't get out there and turn that key on that lawnmower and start shaking and jiggling on that lawnmower, it's not going to get mowed. And sometimes we have to realize that God is the similar aspect that because if he speaks it, he's going to bring it to provision. He's going to bring it full force into complete reality. And when God says, I'm going to create the heavens and the earth, he knew the intent purpose of what he was going to do, that he was going to establish this thing called humanity, this thing called life on this planet, third rock from the sun with a purpose to give him exalting praise and all that we are supposed to do. You're still not grasping it. If the Holy Spirit is the vehicle of motion over all of creation, that means there's something within us that had to have a vehicle of motion within us. And if you want to find that out, you can look inside of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, Then the Lord um, uh, God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then the man became a living image or a living creature. Brother Steve, you get it. Some of you are not getting it. If God is speaking and moving and doing something mightily, he's going to give you something that will cause it to go into motion. Otherwise, you know what I'd be looking at? Nothing but a sculptures like you would see in the Greek era. Those statues where the guys, yeah, we're not going to go there. But nonetheless, they're, 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 they're lifeless. They have, no, they have a form. They look good, but they have no motion. They have no power. They have no authority in anything. They just stand there. But God, when he was in his infinite wisdom and understanding, when he says that it's not enough that I form it, but I have to breathe the life, breathe my pneuma, breathe my wind, breathe my breath into it so that it could become a bearer of life because I'm putting motion into it. 
And when he breathed this life within us, what happened? The heart started beating, the lungs started expanding, the organs started working, the legs started going, the the muscles moved. It was no longer dust. And that's what God is trying to get us to be aware of. Because in the beginning, we were dust, but now we're called living creatures. God once dwelt over the earth, but then now he was put inside of man. Because that brings up the point number two. God's spirit dwells in living things. He dwells in the living things. Because if God's spirit's in anything, it's moving. It has active qualities. Life is a thing which is defined as motion of something. It cannot be stagnant. It cannot be rocks. It cannot be anything. And that's what you have to realize. It's in the beginning of the whole entire word of his truth that we hold on to and we believe that it's all authority and everything. It says that he sent his spirit to give us a glimmer of hope to expose a truth of who the spirit is that we want in our lives. But I want to tell you something. There was a precautionary tell in this Bible and the book of Genesis that we really need to hold on to. Because so many of you are like, okay, well, God's given me life. That means I have his spirit within me. No. It's not true. Sorry. I don't mean to burst your bubble here. But just because you're still breathing doesn't mean you're alive. You don't believe me? Pull up Genesis chapter 3. Verse 8. And it said, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves and they, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the gardens. You see, this scripture right here shows what happens if we're not careful. We start hiding from God. We start doing things. What are you talking about, Pastor Stephen? Before this, what we find is it's called the fall of sin. It's where God, after he had created Adam, and he breathed the life in him in chapter 2, and he said, okay, I'm giving you life. I'm going to give you a task. You're going to name all the animals in the earth. You're going to do all these phenomenal things. But I have one rule and one rule only. That tree that looks really good is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from the tree of life, which is right next to it, but that tree, you're not to eat its fruit. Because if you do, you will surely die. And Adam's like, okay, cool. Got it. And then God looked at him and says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. Let me go ahead and make him a wife. So he made Eve out of his his rib, and he gave breath into her lungs, and she was living and unfortunately Adam didn't actually give the full cleared instructions to Eve and what happened the serpent came in and deceived her and said hey if you'll eat from that tree you will surely not die but you will be like God and she's like oh I like that idea and then she goes over says hey Adam here try this too I eat one and he's like okay but what they didn't realize was that the sin started causing something where their spirit couldn't dwell in them any longer. Told you, 
The spirit can only live in the living or dwell in the living things. God's spirit can only dwell in the living things. But so often we keep looking around saying, oh, we're living. No, we're called what we call the walking dead. We're still breathing and we're still doing all these vulnerable things, but yet we're still walking around dead to our sin and our sin to God. And he cannot dwell within us, but that's what we were designed for in the original purpose. So as they were walking around, they hid from God. But there was something in that text that I want you to kind of look at. I don't know if it's on the screen if it's, or on the line stream, if not, but I'm going to go and highlight it here. There's a word in this text in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says cool. God was walking around in the garden in the cool of the day. I got excited. Like I said, I have a strong concordance. I have a, a Bible app that I use to help study because I'm new age and I don't really do a lot of book books. And in it, I looked up the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2. And it's Ruach. And then I looked at this scripture and I was like, okay, God, what is this? And I see Ruach again. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? He says, I want you to look at the text a little deeper. And I said, like, okay. And he says, it means cool. It says cool. He is the thing in the atmosphere that was causing comfort within all of the garden. His spirit was in Adam. His spirit was in Adam, but it was all around Adam because God's spirit cannot be contained in merely just the vessel. He dwells partially in the living things, but he also brings comfort. I got a little excited when I read that because what I remember when I read through Acts chapter 2, or not even Acts, when Acts chapter 1, when Jesus says, though I go away, I'm going to send the paraclete, the helper, or otherwise known as the one that brings provision and comfort in your life. You see, I know those that are not saved, you're like, okay, where is he going with this? If you're not saved, here's the thing. You cannot be an image bearer that's truly God's image bearer if you do not have his spirit within you. You have to have him within you to empower you to get through this life. That's why we were designed. That's what allows us to truly live freely and exalt his name forever like we're supposed to. But there's something in there for the others that already have his spirit within him. And it's the fact that you could get comfortable and get contingent and get complacent with the idea that you're dwelling in his presence that you walk away from it. Because sin is still sin, no matter where it is, though, though he can be covered in his grace of Jesus' blood, if you still do not uh, ask for forgiveness and walk away from it and flee all immorality, then guess what? It still causes death. There's something in this that we got to get into us. This week, I've been dealing with five weeks of this nasty upper respiratory thing. I'm on my fourth round of antibiotics. I'm good. Last, this whole last week, I felt like somebody was trapping things in my chest. Like I had a belt wrapped around my lungs that couldn't get full breath. But God was using that to give me something to tell you. Sometimes we get so complacent that our lungs cannot fully inhale his goodness and his mercies in our lives to where we will exalt his name. That's what Satan wants to do. 
He wants you to not be the vessel image bearer of what God's called you to be. So he wants to get you trapped up in the sins, in the complacency, because you've gotten so comfortable with where you're at that you're not seeking him and asking him to keep indwelling you. Last week I told you we're called to be vessels. That's what makes us holy. If you weren't here, go back and watch it. It's online. Go listen to it on the podcast. I don't care. But what I told you was we were meant to be vessels that are poured out continually. Because we were designed to exalt his name. And that means that his spirit has to be within us to truly exalt him. But if we're exalting, guess what we're doing? We're exhaling this breath that we're giving to really receive a, another one back in. It means we're getting refilled. But there's a problem that happens sometimes within the Christian believer. We're like, oh, I got it in me. I can't let it out. Or if I let it out, I can't take it back in. And that's not what we were designed for. That was never what God intended for us as humanity at all for. So therefore, we have to understand when Ruwa comes into the scriptures and we start looking at it and we keep looking at it, we have to understand that what God wants to do is bring the provisions that we need in every single day of our lives. But we have to hold on to it. We have to hold on to his truth every single moment. Today, we live our lives in a fast-forward mentality. I'll be honest, it's easy. I have five kids. They drive me completely bonkers half the time. I'm working in the church. I'm running around all over the place, doing everything underneath the sun, trying to get my life going. That there are days that I don't realize that when God was saying I'm hovering over the earth and I'm providing the provision that you need, that even the pastor overlooks it. And it's not until he taps me and says, hey, are you going to let me in today? Are you going to receive my spirit today? Are you going to allow me to hover in your life and, and, and show you the coolnesses and good things in your life? And that's the struggle we keep walking through. That's the, the, the horribleness that we go through because life gets so fast that we overlook what God is trying to do and what God is trying to reveal within us and all that we are. I think it's truly time for the church to start asking God. One question. God, am I alive or am I dead? Not talking like in a casket. Because when that's over with, we already know that you have your choice. Your, your life is done on this earth. You either chose him or you didn't. And if you chose him, you get to spend eternity with God. And if you didn't, you get to go to hell. Don't mean to say it so bluntly, but it's what the word says. Somebody needs to hear that. I don't care who you are, whether you've been walking in the church all your life or not. You choose him or not. That's your choice. But you need to start asking the question, am I alive or am I dead? Because if God's looking at you being truthfully honest and he's telling the spirit to tell you, you're not living for me, you're not living in my breath that I got in your lungs, that you've just been kind of going through your own ways, you're in a pickle. I'm putting some southern words out there. You're in a pickle. That means you got some struggles going on. That means you ain't right. That means you got to start looking to God and asking him, God, what is it that you want from me? And let me tell you what he wants to tell you. If you would abide in me and I in you, you will have peace and peace more abundantly. 
Though that you might go through journeys of struggle and strife, though you might go through trials of failures, he's going to dwell within you. And if he dwells within you, he's going to give you the authority and the power to go through your life. Let me tell you, there are days that I want to lose my ever-living Jesus on people. Being real with you. But it's the spirit that gives me the ability and the power not to do that. It gives me his, the ability and the power to even end those situations where I want to say words that are not Christian. Where I just look at him and say, God bless you. I pray that the Lord blesses you and changes your heart. It's in those moments also. In the 378 times that Ruach is written in all of the text, that God says, though you might be like an eagle, I will be the wind beneath your wings, like what Isaiah 40 and 31 says. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. You see, what you have to realize is that what God is telling us in his spirit in the Old Testament in the very beginning is that the Holy Spirit, he is wanting to empower you to get through this journey and through this life. That's why 378 times Ruach is listed and 378 times that it's listed, it's always going in correlation with God empowering his people to do what he needs to do. Because God is trying to revive the creation back to life. Even though it could not be fully revived until his son, he was still working on behalf of trying to awaken us to hear the truth. That's why when Joshua, back in the book of Numbers, it tells us that he was filled with the Spirit. That's why when Othanel in the book of Judges in chapter 3, it said that his Spirit was upon him. That's why when Gideon, who was going up with his 300 men to go up against the thousands of the Midianites in Judges chapter 6, it says that the Holy Spirit was in him and empowering him to do the mighty works that he was supposed to do. That's why when Samson was set aside to be a Nazarite in the book of Judges and Judges chapter 14, it said that he had the Holy Spirit within him, that no matter what would come up against him, nothing could bound him. Until he got complacent. Until he told the true secret of his power. Until the Holy Spirit left him. And he lost it all. But I need to tell somebody something real quick. The Holy Spirit is not done with you even though you seem to think you're dead. He's still trying to revive you. You see, Samson, as he was tied up and he was being ridiculed and his eyeballs jabbed out, and everybody's thinking fun of him. He was stretched out. What he asked for was, God, give me your spirit once again. Revive in me something new. Let me tell you, you're not dead too far gone yet. You could still ask for his spirit, the one that wants to breathe something in you. But you have to ask and receive. If you'll stand with me this morning. I don't know what you've been dealing with. I don't know what you're going through. I know we have trials and situations that we're encountering. But I want to ask, if you've never had him 
Jesus to be the Lord of your life because he died on the cross and was risen from the dead to give you that future and the hope, to pay for the sin debt, to ultimately allow his spirit to dwell within you because you're no longer considered tainted. If you do not know him as that and you want to make him that, would you just raise your hand this morning? Is there anybody in the house? One, two, anybody else? Right now, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like awesome. Two people. This is, this is what the angels are going to be rejoicing over when we get ready to say a prayer. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning? If that's you online this morning and you want to make him your Lord of your life, let me tell you, just let us know who you are because we want to praise and celebrate with you right now because this decision you're making is the most powerful, profound decision you could ever make because it sets way for something miraculous to happen. So if everybody would just say with me, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a mess. I'm dead. But Lord, your word says, Jesus, that you died on the cross and you were raised from the dead to purchase my salvation because you paid the price for my sin. So today I declare that I'm alive and going to receive something awesome because of what you did, Jesus. I declare you Lord of my life, and I want to serve you in all that I do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we get a round of applause for those? But I have another question for you. What if you've never received him as the Lord of your, or you've already received him as your Lord, and you're struggling in your walk? Today is the day you can make the decision, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Today's the day you can say, Holy Spirit, I want you in me. Today's the day you want to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to move something within me and transform me to become fully alive once again because I don't want to be the dead thing. If you'll say that with me this morning, let's just go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do something so phenomenal right here, right now in this place. And breathe afresh anew upon every single vessel in this place. Lord, though that we might become stagnant and stale, God, I ask that you replace it with the fresh wind of your spirit. Lord, let him be the thing that empowers us, Lord, through this week. Let him be the thing that empowers us, Lord, as he's the the one that ministers to us, as he's the helper. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to be within us, Lord. And Lord, as we take these breaths, Lord, let us remember every single day that we are taking that breath because it's you in our lungs that is truly meant to just say, Lord, you are worthy. Every breath, let it be a ministering tool, Lord, to bless your name and exalt it, God. Lord, let us be alive once again. Let us breathe afresh and anew every single day. And even though the enemy might want to get us complacent this week, Lord, until we come back, Lord, I ask that you strengthen every believer in this place and give them the tools and the ability to cast off all the lies that the enemy wants to lie to us at and empower us to be bold and faithful to you in all that we do. God, I praise you for who you are in this place, Lord. I give it all to you. Holy Spirit, just keep moving. Lord, you are always welcome in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right now, I'm just, I'm thankful. And I'm excited for what's getting ready to come on. As we get ready to switch gears, we're going to do Mother's Day next week. I promise you don't want to miss it. But there's so much more to who the Holy Spirit is. 
And as we finish up this month, I want to encourage you, invite somebody to church. Invite somebody who needs hope. Invite somebody who needs to have his spirit within them. Because I promise you, they don't, they don't need to miss this. So as I always say, go and love your neighbor as yourself, as you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And go and be the church as the church is dismissed.